0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. Daily Tech
2: News Show is made possible by its listeners, thanks to all of you, including Miss Music Teacher James C. Smith and Miranda Janelle. Coming up on DTNS, Amazon got MGM in order to help its advertising, Snap has something that might actually be a part of the metaverse someday, and why fact-checking makes people trust news less. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, March 17th, 2022 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
3: And not wearing green, I'm Sarah Lane.
2: <laughs> with, with, with a, a
3: inch
0: proof green a badge in Austin, Texas, <laughs> I'm Justin Robert Young.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I am wearing green, I'm in Cleveland, I'm Len Peralta.
1: And I'm wearing red, uh, oblivious to everything, and I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. <laughs>
4: uh, well, whether
1: you're Irish
4: or
2: not, you're welcome here at Daily Tech News hmm. Show, where, where we're all tech No? All right. Let's start with a few tech things you should know.
3: Google announced its annual developer conference, Google I.O., will take place May 11th and 12th as a virtual event viewable through YouTube and I.O. Adventure in VR. Mm. The May 11th keynote from Sundar Pichai will be streamed from the Shoreline Amphitheater.
2: Samsung announced new models in its mid-range Galaxy A series, uh, the A53 5G, adds 5g as you might have guessed from the name Uh, it also has better display visibility photo editing features six gigabytes of ram and a 5000 milliamp hour battery all models will use samsung's exynos 1285 nanometer processor so no qualcomm in the us this time starts at 50 dollars lower than the previous a52 version A little inflation buster there from Samsung. Samsung Galaxy A53 comes to the U.S. April 1st for $450. Samsung also announced the Galaxy A33 at a price that will be set somewhere between the A53 and the $250 A13.
3: Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky signed a law Wednesday clarifying the status of cryptocurrency assets in the country. Crypto exchanges have legal authority to operate regulated by the National Commission on Securities – The bill passed Parliament on February 17th, after the president had rejected a previous version back in September of 2021. The Ministry of Finance is working on amendments to the country's tax and civil codes to fully launch the market for virtual assets.
2: AMD confirmed that its upcoming Ryzen 7 5800X 3D processor will not support overclocking. Uh, That's the official word. Everybody kind of thought that, but they've made it for sure. Uh, They said the reason is the 3DV cache doesn't work at high voltages. AMD says the extra cache, however, in their opinion, will compensate for the lower clock speed.
3: Microsoft Edge can now generate automatic image description for users browsing with their screen readers on. The feature uses Azure's Cognitive Services intelligence to generate alt text to images that don't have them assigned already. Users can turn the feature on in Edge's accessibility settings.
2: All right. Let's talk about the big closing. Amazon uh, (laughs) got got its MGM on. Uh, MGM, now part of Amazon. Tell us about it, Justin. Indeed, it is MGM. (laughs) Amazon
0: closed its acquisition of movie studio MGM on Thursday. No word on how MGM will be integrated into Amazon Studios. But as a reminder, MGM makes content that includes James Bond, Rocky, the Pink Panther movies, as well as television properties like The Handmaid's Tale, Vikings Valhalla, Fargo, and many others. First, don't jump to conclusions that all this content will go right to Amazon Prime. Studios often make content for partners, and those contracts usually keep the content there for a while. See the slow unwinding of Netflix's deal with Disney over Marvel shows or the bouncing of Harry Potter movies between Peacock and HBO Max. In fact, Variety reported that the EU uh, approved the merger without conditions because... MGM's content cannot be considered as must have. Ouch. <laughs> MGM will certainly make more content for Prime Video, but Amazon has indicated that it's it'll still operate as a studio that will make content for other clients. The back catalog will probably be the bigger boon to Prime Video. MGM holds the rights to nearly 4000 films and 17000 TV episodes. That's part of why Protocol's Janko Redigers argues that while some extra content for Prime Video won't hurt, the bigger win for Amazon is the ad money. Fast Services, and that is FAST, the acronym, Free Ad Supported Television, is a hot, growing streaming market. And Amazon owns one of the tops with IMDb, IMDb TV. That has 120 million viewers a month viewing its ads. And while Prime Video subscribers can watch IMDb TV content, they have to watch the ads. There's no ad-free version. So uh, injecting a bunch of MGM library content into IMDb TV should raise more eyeballs, which, of course, sells more ads. James Bond movies have only been available for rental or purchase, for example.
2: Ah, uh, so I, I think, I think what Jacob Reckers was thinking is, uh, those James Bond movies might show up for streaming on IMDb TV, uh, and so you'll have to watch them with ads. And if you don't want ads, well, go rent one. Uh, but they're you know, they're gonna try to drive eyeballs to that ad sales, which would be a big way to boost the advertising revenue of Amazon. A lot of rumors that Amazon might change the name of IMDB TV too to make it sound a little more interesting yeah, to people or, you know, it's yeah, easier for me to say, thank you, Amazon. That'd be nice. yeah,
3: <laughs> I mean, I gotta say the EU saying, you know what? Let's go ahead and improve this merger because nothing really <laughs> in the MGM, anyway. <laughs> you know, library is of note. I mean, <laughs> that's insane. Somebody was having a handshake deal <laughs> in the back room. I mean,
0: think that, that that them. is that is a stunning, a stunning rebuke for Brexit. That that, they,
2: that
0: <laughs> <laughs> include, uh, oh, was
2: because Bond. of James Bond. Yeah, that yeah. might be. Yeah. A I, I, I mean, what Brexit. what they're trying to say is. MGM doesn't suddenly make Amazon dominate the movie market, right? And I and, 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 and yeah,
3: does. right. I mean, I, when you're and I wonder how much. I mean, I know that back catalogs and MGM has a really big one are lucrative for any company looking to you know be like, okay, we got a streaming service, we got all you know now we're we're going to have all this access to content that we didn't have before. But yeah, like at what point? Uh, is something like this. Does it does it kind of sound like, you know, a tech company buying another dying tech company's IP?
0: Well, yes, and the the entertainment IP that they are going to get here is something that Amazon is going to put a lot of money in. If you've looked at the moves that have been made by these tech companies in the entertainment space, and I would really include Apple and Amazon as the big players there, they don't care about the average price of things in the entertainment world. They are willing to blow away the competition because they care more about the prestige and they are playing different games. Apple is ultimately looking to sell more devices. Amazon is ultimately looking to keep you on the prime service. Uh, The fact that there will be new Pink Panthers, there's going to be new James Bond, there's going to be new Rockies, and it's going to include the top talent that money can buy Literally, that's why they did this Sure, The ad supported stuff is fine. And, and maybe in the next 10 years, those fast networks become absolute juggernauts. But make no mistake, considering what Amazon just paid for a Lord of the Rings series that legally cannot mention any of the characters, you know, from Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is for their ability to free and clear, make new branded IP properties that they can make exclusive to their platforms.
2: I mean they could mention Galadriel, so it's not it's not all of them, but right. it's just, it just has to be mentioned in the apologies, appendix, right? Apologies
0: but, for my for my rampant Galadriel slander.
2: <laughs> but but yeah, they they are willing to pay a lot to get a little bit of franchise. And they're getting a lot of franchise in MGM. But I don't think it's any one of these reasons. MGM wasn't the best thing to buy if they just wanted the franchise. It isn't the best thing to buy if they just wanted the back catalog. It isn't even the best thing to buy if you want the studio expertise. I think Amazon gets the benefit of now saying, hey, Amazon Studios, you have a whole... Group of people who've been doing this for decades now that can help make Amazon. It, it, it's going to help Amazon content just as much as it will help MGM content. Right? It's a two way street. Yeah. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's any of those things. I think it's all of those things. It's it a is, combination. It is,
3: it
0: is all of these things. The deal works for a lot of different reasons, but buying studios is not easy. They are not always uh, uh, for sale. They are not always for sale to you, depending on where you are in the market. Uh, MGM has been kind of a sick puppy looking for a savior for a while. This made sense. Like, like you said, yeah. All of the above. Uh,
2: back in October, we did an episode of know a little more, uh, the podcast, uh, with Stacey Higginbotham, uh, about the matter standard. And we've talked about it on the show a few other times since. Uh, Matter is a coalition of the biggest smart home platforms, Google, Amazon, Apple, Samsung, and a bunch of others to work toward interoperability. The idea is that once Matter is all in place and, and all the products have it, you can just buy a smart product that says it's Matter compliant, bring it home and use it with your system. doesn't matter which system you have. You can even change your system. All your stuff should still work as long as it's Matter compliant. Now, that was scheduled to launch this summer probably around June, but the folks who administer the Matter Standard, the Connectivity Standards Alliance, or CSA, told The Verge that that launch is being rescheduled for autumn. CSA says the holdup is because more developers than expected are adopting the platform, so they want to take more time to make sure that the SDK will work with all the platforms. CSA expected five platforms a year ago and now says it has more than 16 So in addition to the ones you'd expect like Amazon, Google, etc., you also have Infineon, Synaptics, Darwin, Tizen, uh, TI, NXP, Ex-Expressive Systems, Nordic, and more. Everybody wants in on this, which... If that's the reason, that's a good sign. Uh, the CSA's Michelle Mandela Freeman told The Verge they will use the extra time, quote, to stabilize, tweak, tune, and improve quality in the code. Now, this isn't the first delay of Matter. Uh, it used to be called Project Chip, and it was supposed to launch in 2020. But then 2020 to all of us, uh, and that launch got pushed to 2021. In August 2021, they changed the name to Matter, set mid-2022 as the launch, So pushing it by one season from summer to fall is a shorter delay than they've done in the past. If you want to keep watch for milestones, CSA still plans to make the 0.9 Matter spec available in June. That'll go to more than 450 members so you can start testing and certifying when the 1.0 spec comes later in the year. Spec validation is expected to take six to eight weeks, However, 130 devices in 15 categories from 50 companies are already in testing. These are folks who were part of Matter from the beginning and will be part of that first rollout of Matter-certified products. Light bulbs, locks, thermostats, blinds, garage door openers, wireless access points, uh, TVs. Those might be ready to ship as soon as the Matter spec is released. So we may still get Matter products before the end of the year, but the bulk of them are now going to come in 2023.
3: Well, as somebody who's pretty, you know, I, I have a lot of smart home devices. Uh, it'd be cool to be able to, you know, use Matter as sort of my single hub in the future. In a way, if I if I was being uh, pessimistic, I'd be like, when is this ever going to happen? Because yeah, (laughs) now a bunch of other developers now want to get on board and now it's getting pushed out because it was the promise of the future. And now the future just keeps getting pushed out. That said, all of this makes sense to me. Uh, You know, the consortium saying, okay, well, we have way more interest. That is a good thing. That is a very good thing. In the short term, it's a little bit of a messy thing. And so, you know, the consumer has to wait a little bit longer.
0: I It makes a lot of sense to me that this is delayed because if you understand what they want to do, they can't break things. Matter is, as a brand, supposed to, and, and I don't mean that in, in the specific way that they're trying to sell stuff, but rather in what you think about when you think about matter. What they hope is ease of use. And so if it is breaking things, it is going exactly against their entire purpose. So. For me, I, I, I totally understand. If it's worth doing at it all, it's worth doing right. And if you have more skews than you would think, then yeah, take the time to make sure that it that it works. Because no one's going to have any sympathy for them if this rolls out, and now all of a sudden my front door lock doesn't work.
2: Yeah, uh, and. And especially when the whole point, uh, like well, like we've been saying, is that this is easy, right? So you want yeah. to make sure it works because otherwise people will lose faith in it really fast. And I, I, I think it gets overestimated whether that faith can be restored, but you don't want to have to go through that work to restore it because it takes time and it takes money to do that. And And all the big companies are on board with this. I, I think it's It's easy to want to slam it and say like, ah, it'll never work. These are big tech companies. I don't trust them. Obviously, here we go. Delaying again. It's going to keep getting delayed. You just wait. It sound, It rings true to me that they're like, actually, we have these people on board that really, the only interest we have in bringing them on board is, is making this thing an actual standard. And so we're going to treat it with respect now, and make now, sure it's a if- standard. If in two weeks we get the unsourced story
0: that Apple or Google are looking to pull out, now I, I think yeah. it, it is a different
2: story. And, and to be clear, we're not I hearing know, it, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. We're not yeah. hearing any rumblings like that. But yeah, not, that, you'd have not to hear something not. like that to, yeah. to, to be like, all right, there's something else going. And we're Make
3: not. matter matter. <laughs> yes.
2: We want matter.
3: Indeed. Uh, Well, speaking of things that might matter to you, Snap launched custom landmarkers on Wednesday, which lets the more than 250,000 lens creators tie experiences to physical locations like stores or sculptures or other landmarks. So for example, you might have a lens that shows up if you're near your favorite brunch place, for example. To use it, you'll need a phone with a LiDAR sensor, like an iPhone, to scan the landmark. Then you import the scan into Snap's Lens Studio software on a desktop. Early testers said it took less than a day to make a geostationally anchored piece of content. Not, you know, it's a pretty good turnaround. Creators can also post QR codes in the real world to let users know, there's a piece of air content out there. Go find it. Custom landmarkers are viewable in the Snap mobile app as well as AR-enabled spectacles. If you happen to have a pair of those, it would also be uh, it, it would be compatible. Content moderators will review every AR lens before it goes live. That's what Snap says anyway. To help prevent conflicts between property owners and creators, Snap is also trying to uh, hook locations up with creators. So. Manhattan's You and Me Books, for example, worked with creators at AR developer studio Real on a custom landmark. Snap's computer vision engineering director, uh, Chi Pen, told Protocol that the next step would be to enable multi-user AR experiences. That's actually the most fun part of this, I think. The multi-user aspect of this, or the potential of it.
2: Yeah, so that you can interact, not only everybody pointing their phones at the big saxophone next to the you know musician's statue but you know you could all start playing it with each other or mm-hmm. or send things or you know throw a virtual
3: ball or like around. who got there first yeah, or you yeah. know some sort of gamification part of this yeah
0: yeah, I, I think that this is a, a next level step up with what a lot of people have been doing on the Snap platform for a while in terms of creating filters that you could use only in certain geolocations. So you'll see that a lot of theme parks or restaurants or big events, concerts, uh, whenever you're scrolling through somebody's Snap stories and you see you know, Coachella or something like that. That is something that Coachella sets up and sets the boundaries for now. Uh, when you are watching Kanye West at Coachella, you might be able to behind the stage see a gigantic, you know, Donda house or something like that that would be able to digitally be inserted and everybody would be able to see it from different angles. It's a cool idea. I, I do think that AR wise, this is the kind of stuff that you would likely see more of if we are in a, a world where you are constantly looking through uh, uh, AR uh, powered glasses or something like that, but uh, it it really is, I mean, to be totally honest, the most fascinating thing about this to me is that it is on a just sign up to be a creator level because all of the hardware is on commercially available phones. I mean, the fact that we can LiDAR scan and create something that fast truly is a, a leap forward that I think we kind of take for granted.
2: I don't know if this is the Friendster, MySpace or Facebook of this thing, but this is the kind of thing that builds the metaverse. Right? You have creators going out and creating stuff. Some of it won't be that useful. Some of it will only be popular temporarily. Some of it will just be artistic. Some of it will be practical. But I imagine this becoming, whether it's Snap's implementation or somebody else's, becoming an eventual substrate of the metaverse in the real world where we walk outside and we pop on those glasses that Justin is talking about and we see a whole lot more things. I was, I was saying in our meeting today, I was like, what if we had a DTNS meetup and there was an AR uh, arrow that was like, yep, you're in the right place. This is, this is it. Or you you had little navigation markers along the way where only people going to the meetup could see them, but it would help guide you to the thing. Like there's, there's all kinds of useful things this could do as well. Well,
3: you know, but as we're, talking about the metaverse and like, what is it? Where is it? How do we all get there? How is it like great for us? I think, and I, and I have definitely been a a person who's been sort of held back by being like, well, I don't like this thing. I don't want this in my metaverse. Why would I want this? That's, that's sort of like, you you have to think of it as like real life in a, a a certain sense that's, oh my goodness. I'm sorry, my uh, my uh, uh, Apple Watch is ringing. I'm not used to it yet. Uh, uh, the the idea that you know Snap has launched uh, so many of these landmarkers is like great. Is it right for me? Maybe not. Might be right for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't n- need to make sense a hundred percent of the time for hundred percent of the people.
2: Yeah, real quickly. Uh, Princess Delirium has a good question in our Twitch chat. Uh, how do people with glasses deal with VR goggles and headsets? And the answer for AR anyway is the Wayfarer, where you have prescription glasses that yeah. are your VR glasses. Now, Wayfarers from 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 Meta are are not VR or AR glasses, but they are obviously meant to be the template. So you'll have prescription. Augmented reality glasses.
0: Yeah. I mean I think yeah, VR, you wear the headset over top of your glasses. Yeah, and you, know, you have some like kind VR, of spacer they are Theoretically, like you you would build that in.
2: Yeah. All right, folks, if you have a thought about something on the show, maybe we provoked a the thought there in that conversation. Why don't you send it to us? Email us feedback at dailytechnewshow.com
3: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry.
2: Political scientists from UT Austin, La Trobe University, the University of Melbourne, and University of Waikato published a study in digital journalism, a peer-reviewed journal, uh, called Does Third-Party Fact-Checking Increase Trust in News Stories? An Australian case study using the sports rorts affair. So quick digression, a rort is Australian slang for a dishonest act. Sports Mm. rorts... Sports Rorts was a story about the Minister of Sport in Australia denying that she awarded grants based on whether a club was located in a swing seat for her party in Parliament. Okay, back to the study. The scientists made two identical stories but presented them as being either from ABC, the the broadcast network, or News Corp. Uh, These are two mainstream media outlets in Australia. The stories had identical wording and headlines. These weren't the actual stories from these outlets. They just had different fonts and banners to try to control for whether someone had a perception of one or the other. 1,600 adults were asked to read one of the stories and then answer questions about news trustworthiness. Half the 1,600 were given a version with an AAP fact check to read as well. That's the Australian Associated Press. 86% found the ABC story trustworthy. 79% trusted the News Corp story. Those are both really high. However, here's the interesting thing. Trust in the stories fell 13% after reading the fact-checking article. the scientists suggested that the fact-checking worked to point out that the politician quoted in the story had told a lie, but that the reader, when they found out that the statement was a lie reduced their trust in the source of the story, not just in the politician who lied. They suggested that media outlets may want to spend less time giving equal weight to all sides in an issue, call, you know, calling out things that are falsehoods in the stories themselves, and that fact-checking sites might want to clearly state who's being corrected, that they're not correcting the, the article's author, that they're correcting the politician, which some fact-checking does, some doesn't.
0: Well, some might suggest that maybe the users of these social media platforms just don't like being in hell, which is what the portal of endless fact-checking has <laughs> done to these readers because they are indeed a hashtag portal to hell, hashtag hell portal. Uh, look, I, I think that there's a lot of ways that you can look at these. Uh, 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 I think that it is faulty for uh social media companies to look at themselves as a platform that is adding a filter onto a media source. Because what I think is fascinating about this is that readers don't view it as, Oh, here's this objective truth fairy filter that is put over top of the imperfect world of media. Instead, it's just another form of media. You are just attacking directly these other sources and there's a million. I mean, I could bore everybody's head off by talking about how I think that the, the, the way that we have uh, organized journalism is, is slipping. And I think that there are, are functional things that editorially outlets should be focusing on that reduce the concept that there is a both sides ism when it comes to reporting. But at the end of the day, these fact checking outlets are not anything other than direct media rebuttals to the original sources, and when you look at it like that, it is very antagonistic and it is almost designed to erode trust
2: yeah i I, I think one of the things that caught me here is uh, that i i because I went to journalism school, i guess understand that a fact check on something is not a fact check of the entire thing right it's a fact check of a part of the thing uh but that's not clear when you, when when you're fact checking an article from News Corp feels like you're saying that the News Corp article was true or not uh and 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 really what it gets down to is in my opinion fact checking was not a panacea fact checking was a a response to people shouting "Do something so they yes. did something and we are now studying afterwards whether that was the right thing to do and how effective it was. And I'm not saying fact checking has no place. Uh, I think it does. It's just, we rushed to slap it on without really knowing what its effects would be. And, and, and also the the media, the social media companies didn't
0: want to do it themselves. They didn't want to hire their own people. So they outsourced it to other people that are actually media outlets themselves that are viewed as directly attacking some of these sources. So Mm. It, it, look, it, it is it is a total mess, but uh, uh, obviously my my point on this has
2: been well made over the years. Well, Sarah, how do we get off this planet then?
3: Uh, I'm glad you asked, Tom. Uh, NASA's Space Launch System, uh, or else, uh, SLS, is readying a practice countdown before the first Artemis mission later this spring, which is more than 10 years after the last space shuttle took Flight. It's kind of a big deal if you care about space. The space launch system is designed to bring the Artemis missions to the moon, starting with Artemis 1 coming in the spring. NASA engineers plan for the rocket to make its debut on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. It will then roll out the vehicle assembly building and be ferried to launch Complex 39B at Kennedy Space Center on Florida's East Coast. Just in East Coast mm-hmm. of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Space coast, baby. Yep. Engineers and technicians will run a series of pre-launch tests through April 3rd. If SLS does indeed pass, NASA, NASA can then set the launch date for the Artemis 1 mission. However, there was a lot of scrutiny of maybe this is, you know, a lot of cost overruns. Quite a few delays, as these things do tend to have. So, with a lot of effort and funding invested in this particular moon program, a test run and staging ground for eventually sending astronauts, human astronauts, maybe, to Mars uh, is, you know, is, is, is clearer than ever, but... There's a lot writing on this test.
2: Yeah, this is uh, this has been in the works for years. Uh, the reason it's called Artemis is because that's the companion to Apollo. So we, you know, it's going to take us back to the moon. So uh, Artemis, mythologically, and, and Apollo, uh, you know, hang a lot in Greek mythology. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, uh, it's 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 exciting to to see a, a big rocket ready to take off from Florida.
0: Uh, Yeah. Look, the the, the SLS has been derisively nicknamed the Senate launch system because it's looked at as as a give back to a lot (laughs) of the contractors that have made space stuff for NASA in the past. It was once looked at as a competitor to SpaceX. And then the intervening five years happened when SpaceX made itself to be a standard for space flight. Uh, The SLS will not be taking us to Mars. Uh, It will not beat SpaceX to Mars, barring something incredibly insane considering how slow uh, it has gone. But, it is good to see, and the Artemis mission will include uh, a SpaceX component, so... That's and it, the that's- Artemis
2: mission wants to put the first woman on the moon, because we've yeah. only sent men before. Good,
0: good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always glad to see it. Uh, uh, more space is better space, but uh, the SLS is something that even from the moment that it was greenlit, was a, uh, was out of date.
2: All right. I know I told Sarah to take us to space, but now I need Sarah to take us back down to the ground. What's in the mailbag, Sarah?
3: Oh, Tom, I'm glad you asked. Sean, the historian in Toronto, sent in his thoughts on renting e-bikes because we were talking about that earlier this week. Uh, in Toronto specifically, Sean says, um, I've used Zig. And by the way, we'll put his full email in the show notes if you want to read the uh, the full transcript We'll summarize now. Sean Zig, which is a $189 uh, Canadian dollar per month on a month-to-month plan, or $129 a month on a one-year plan, as well as seasonal discounted rates. Last autumn, Sean says he signed up for two months just to try it out. And, quote, "...they delivered the bike directly to my home, and repairs and services were included in the price of the subscription. My commute is 25 kilometers." I tried it on a standard bike a couple of times, but it just wasn't practical for me. Too sweaty. Switching to a pedal-assisted e-bike was the perfect solution for me. I was able to commute regularly to the office two to three days a week, arriving in an hour and relatively sweat-free. If you're worried about safety, Sean adds, these bikes are fast, but they aren't faster than a standard road bike, many of which blew right by me on the way to work each day
2: ah well that's good to do thanks for that i like to get these on the scene reports and i didn't even know they they had one of these in toronto uh so there's there's even more places out there they seem pretty widespread
3: well and i think you know the, there's uh there's the you know the whole idea of like you know ride a bike you know good for your heart uh you know don't contribute to uh g- gas emissions kind of thing a lot of people are like yeah. But I mean, if you're really working at it, you are sweaty all the time. So I think Sean makes a really good point about, you know, what's actually <laughs> uh, reasonable for you to show up to an office, you know, maybe in work clothes, you know, and be able to use it to your advantage.
2: Well, busily illustrating today's show has been Len Peralta. And so we we check with the artistic facts that he has created. What do you got for us today, Len?
4: Facts. It's funny you should mention facts, Tom. I decided to go with uh, a lot of misinformation, the the fact-checking and everything else. Uh, This is called Fact Check This. And uh, it's definitely something, if you're not watching the video, to check out because there's a lot of lies being uh, uh, given by this so-called politician and some poor guy in the corner who is saying you can't really trust these fact checks articles at all? Really, and um, uh, one thing that's interesting about this is uh, it's probably worth checking out because there's all kinds of little kind of hidden sort of things <laughs> in the background, these lies and stuff like that. So maybe I was to...
2: I was intrigued the that chain. the the inside of my opponent is Nutella. Uh, but then I saw that uh, the Cleveland Browns are number one and I knew something was wrong.
4: <laughs> yeah. They're actually Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, there's a, there's that's another could be a lie. Yeah. Um, if you want to see this, you can go to uh, my Patreon, become a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Len or at my online store at Len dot com. And you can purchase it right there.
3: Well, great work as always, Len. Also great work from you, Justin Robert Young. Let folks know what you've been up to lately.
0: Uh, Well, thank you, Sarah. Uh, Len, condolences on Baker Mayfield's trade request. But you can uh, 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 listen to the work that I uh, have put out on Dog and Pony Show Audio, my production company. The new season of World's Greatest Con starring Brian Brushwood is rolling on. The newest episode this week is all about... Charles Ingram and the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire scandal, a retired or sorry, an active army major in, in the British Army, goes on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, wins the million dollars in one of the most improbable runs of all time because allegedly he and his wife used the dumbest con of all time that we will ever cover on this series. You can go ahead and check that out now and listeners to The Great Night Podcast. Tomorrow, there is a thing that I've been working on in secret. It is the dumbest thing that I have ever worked on personally. (laughs) The longtime listeners of the show will very much enjoy it. So check that out. Great night podcast for comedy stuff for serious stuff. World's greatest con season two continues.
3: Uh, Justin, I don't know how you do it. You are one busy human. Uh, (laughs) I i to I, 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 I I
0: fortify myself laughing at the Cleveland Browns, which has, which has powered
3: power. <laughs> that's that's what propels you forward. Uh, uh, it, the uh, hate burns uh. within me. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, special thanks to Martin. Um, Martin, maybe a Browns fan, maybe not. We don't know, but we do know that Martin is one of our top lifetime supporters for DTNS. So thank you. For all the years of support Martin mm-hmm. uh, reminder folks there's a longer version of the show called Good Day Internet available at patreon.com DTNS if you're part of the live show we're going to roll right into that now uh, just a reminder for DTNS we're live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern 2100 UTC find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com live we are back doing it all again tomorrow with our guest Stephanie Humphrey talk to them
2: this show
0: is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.